if you can imagine, let me set this text up this morning. The Apostle Paul planted, he was a church planter, okay? And so he was going all over Asia Minor, planting churches among the Gentiles. So the, the, the church grew in the Jewish segment from some of the other apostles, but the Apostle Paul specifically went after those who were not of Jewish descent. He's planting churches, and one of those churches is the church in Ephesus. And he raised up and handed off the church to a young pastor named Timothy. And so we have the two letters in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy, where the Apostle Paul is coaching this young pastor in his leadership of his church. So this is really, these are really, really insightful letters to us as a church and how we pass on the faith and the generation from uh, the, the gospel of Jesus from one generation to the next. And so in 2 Timothy, verses 5 through 7 of the first chapter, and I'm reading out of the NLT this morning, okay? And so, and so this is what Timothy says, and, and so it's, it's, it's up on your screen so you can read it. Ready? Paul says this. He says to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. So very important here. Timothy has a faith of his own, okay? You, You can't live off your parents' faith, all right? I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. Verse 6, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So I want to unpack a couple things. I I was uh, visiting my father last weekend. I know it's Mother's Day, but I'm going to kind of weave it into Mom's Day here. I was visiting my dad last weekend, and... uh, we, on Friday, we were playing golf together. We were driving to the golf course, and he just said um, something that was really interesting to me. He just said, out of the blue, he kind of goes, I just want you kids to know that I, I really did the best I could. I didn't have uh, to model after. And uh, I think that was his way of probably saying, you know, I've made some mistakes, which, by the way, which parent hasn't, right? We, uh, unfortunately, we still have the sin nature with us. So, uh, and so, and so let me tell you about my dad, okay? My dad's dad, this is going to tie it into my grandma. My dad's dad died when he was five, okay? And so my grandma was not yet a Christian, and during the passing of her husband, in that process, she became a Christian. So in a sense, she was a first-generation Christian, but her boys, her two boys, my uncle and my dad, didn't have a Christian dad in the home, and so she was a single mom raising these two boys. So eventually, both of those boys came to faith, and then a little later in their lives, she remarried a Christian man. But in their developmental years, they didn't really have a, a Christian father, and so and so my grandmom, as a single mother and a Christian, a new Christian, prayed a lot for her boys, right? And we're going to talk at the end about, about the power of prayer, but she brought up her boys in the faith, and then my it's mom's day, my dad didn't marry a Christian wife, mom, my mom, and, and passed on this legacy of faith. And so, and so one of the things I, I love about my Nana, who's now with the Lord, is she is a, um, and we're talking about this today because we're talking about a woman in the scriptures who passed on the faith and eventually raised up a, one of the first pastors that we know about in the New Testament. It's really fascinating. My grandma was a prayer warrior, and uh, she was always praying for me, man. And when, I, and when she passed, I knew that I had lost someone in my life that was every day praying for me. And, and my grandma had this 
uh, awful disease called Alzheimer's. Some of y'all are caring for a little one has Alzheimer's, and so it's got some real horrible things. But it also has, I guess, in some ways, some positive things because for her, every day was a new day. Okay, and when, when this disease set in, and so whenever I would call her, I would hear my pop yelling to her. He'd go, "It's your, it's your grandson," and she'd be like, "I have a grandson." She'd go, "Yes, he's a pastor in Virginia." And she'd be like, that's awesome, you know, like new every morning. I didn't know, you know, she was thrilled that she had a pastor from Virginia. And, uh, but man, I, and so, you know, I, we're going to talk about the legacy of faith this morning, okay? And, and what you're doing in your homes is an essential bedrock to the passing of faith. I mean, us, think about this today, okay? Us sitting here singing all these great songs to the Lord Jesus Christ goes back to a church plant of the Apostle Paul where a grandmother and a mother raised up the first pastor, and that faith has been passed down generationally. Isn't that cool? And that's what you're doing today. And so let me pull out a couple points I hope encourage you. Okay, first point is this. We leave a legacy of sincere faith. So as Christians in our homes, and I would put next to the point one there, in our homes, like the legacy of sincere faith, and I really want to land on the idea of in our homes. We leave the legacy of sincere faith. So 2 Timothy 1.5, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you, okay? So the letter A here, the word genuine faith is the idea of without hypocrisy, okay? So, so let me just park here for a minute, all right? If you're here today and you're a Christian, Uh, uh, what the Bible teaches is that the way we live at home in general, okay, nobody's perfect, right? I said that at the beginning. How many of us as parents, especially as we get older, like, man, I could have done that one better. I could have done that one. Raise your hand. I could have done that one better. But, But the idea is at home in general, what the way we look on Sunday morning, you know, we all put our Jesus face on and our Jesus clothes. There's some similarity at home right? There's not this massive disconnect of hypocrisy. Now, listen, the deal is every time we sin as Christians, in a sense, we're being hypocrites, right? We're doing the opposite of what we are professing with our mouths. And, you know, every time I sin, I'm like, why am I still doing that? You know, I love Christ. I want to walk in holiness. I want to walk in righteousness. Yet I'm lacking self-control or I'm lacking certain fruit of the Spirit. Why, is that, why am I not growing in that? So there's always a sense of hypocrisy. But, but in general, our home life should reflect what we say that we believe about God, right? And there should be a, a genuine love and caring and leaning into the Word that in our homes, there's this God shepherding, right? It's a genuine faith. And a genuine faith, letter B, is a, is a faith that we share, right? If it's genuine, like you're going to talk about it, right? That, that, that you have this, this, this daily walk with Christ that your family knows about, right? That your kids, I always use this language, more is, is caught than taught. If you're using the words of your mouth, but the, but the, uh, the reflection of your, the way that you live is so different. Your kids are like, man, what you say and what you do are two different things, right? The, the strength of legacy is actually in doing, there's alignment with what we say and what we do. There's some alignment there. It's not perfect and won't be perfect until we get to heaven, but there's, there's a growing in that idea that our kids see our relationship with Jesus Christ lived out on a daily basis, okay? So you ready? Your kids 
if you're a Christian today, should know about your conversion. You should bore them. They, they should, you know, when we're doing your funeral one day, you're like, oh, dad used to tell this story all the time, right? How many of your parents, how many of your aging parents say the same thing over and over and over? Raise your hand, be honest. How many of you are becoming your parents, okay? Like, you're like saying that, like, you know, I don't, I don't know if this will land, but my, my dad, we have some family jokes. My, my brother and sister will think this is funny, but my dad's an HVAC guy, right? And so, and he does HVAC. And any time we walk into a room like this, he'd just look around. He'd be like, man, I wonder, wonder what kind of BTUs are pushing out of this place. And we're all like, I don't even know what that means. Like, it sounds like a disease, you know? Like, should we be breathing the air in here, you know? And uh, he, and we just, he bored us with that stuff, right? And we should bore our kids with our walk with Jesus, that they know about how you got saved. They know about your baptism. They, they know about some key spiritual markers in your life that you're sharing what God is doing and what God has done. There's just an active role in that, right? That, that they know, and it's just a regular part of our lives, okay? Which leads me to the third thing is letter C. And we see that here in 1 Timothy is the blessing of a Christian home. Listen, ready, kids? Even adult kids. If you are raised in a Christian home, man, that is a tremendous blessing, one amen. It's a tremendous blessing. Like, you need to thank the Lord for your Christian home. I remember when I, the church I grew up in um, was really big on, um, like, when someone, and, and I praise God for this, right, but when someone would become a Christian and they were kind of plucked out of, like, this really uh, painful lifestyle, right, where the consequences of their sin were were extreme, and they in my church growing up, they plucked that person out, and then they'd put him on stage, him or her on stage, right? And they'd tell this amazing story, and, it, you know, it was always like sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of thing, and, and then God saved me, and I'm really changed, and I was like, well, I uh, yelled at my dad last night, like, you know, like, you just feel like your story's not that great, right? And and they always end up with the book deals at the end, right? Like, some cool Christian book deal we run out and buy, and, and, uh, and, and my story is similar. I, I, as a child, had a drug problem. I, I was drugged to church, okay? So, like, you're going, and I didn't like it, and those kind of things. But, but in hindsight, like, man, I'm just, like, so grateful for that. And so, like, I know there's some middle schooler sitting in here right now, like, oh, when's he going to be done? Like, what, what a blessing it is that your parents are dragging you to church. And I'm going to talk about the importance of that in a minute, parents, okay? And then finally, I think what we see out of this first point this morning of the genuine faith is we share the Word of God. So in our homes, is a sharing of the Word of God. Now, I have to jump down to chapter 3 for this, okay? This is a really really cool thing that Paul goes on to say to Timothy in chapter 3. So 2 Timothy 3.14. Here it is. Ready? Paul says this to Timothy, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. So in other words, parents were investing the Word of God in our kids. Paul says that grows root and, we, and your kids need to be faithful in that. Then Paul says this, You're, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Who taught him? Lois and Eunice. 
And he's saying they had a genuine faith. What they said they believed and what they did at home was generally the same, right? They weren't perfect, but man, they're measured up at home. They weren't two-faced. And you know, Lois and Eunice are trustworthy, and they were teaching you the Word of God. Verse 15, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from when, church? Childhood. And he doesn't say it was the youth group's job to do that. Now, where was this happening? In the home, right? And they have given, you know, this is really important, by the way. Put the verse back up. I'm ruined because I'm going to hammer on this, right? Here we go. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Incredible, right? A mom and a grandmom, what were they doing? They were making a disciple, I say this every week, almost every week when I preach, I talk about the Great Commission. Why does Jesus leave you here on earth? Why, when you become a Christian, he doesn't just take you to heaven because life is hard? Why are you still here? You are here to make disciples. And guess what? You don't have to go on an airplane to make a disciple. You can do it under the roof of your home. As you're, invest, you're living a genuine faith and you're doing it day in and day out, It's tedious and it feels boring, but man, in that boredom becomes tremendous impact as you make a disciple. And the the scriptures by mom and grandma were being caught by young Timothy, and a pastor was being molded and shaped at a young age. Isn't that cool? Now, I've been doing this pastoring thing for a long, long time. I was telling the worship team, and this morning I was like, I think this is my 22nd Mother's Day sermon here, okay? So probably nothing new for me to say, but, but one of the things I've learned is there's someone in this room today, and you're here, you're an adult child, and you're here because you called your mom, and you say, hey mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? You were hoping that she would say, day spa. She said, I want you to come to church. And you're like, oh, really? Like, okay. And so now I'm gonna, I want to talk to you. I want your attention. Why did mom want you to come to church? Okay, it's because of this verse right here where Paul says to Timothy that the grandma and grandma, mom and grandma had, through the scriptures, had given the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. I want to focus on a couple words there. Number one is the word salvation. You need to be saved. The Bible says this, all of us in this room are sinners. Is there anybody in this room that's not a sinner? Raise your hand, okay? Right, no one. You should get hands going. And we think, we live in a culture where we think sin is kind of neutral to God. Sin is not neutral. We're not in a neutral position with God. God is holy. That means he's without sin. He's just. He has a just wrath. And the Bible's clear. He is going to pour out his just wrath on sinners. You're not in a neutral state. You actually need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty that your sin deserves, given to you by the wrath of God. Happy Mother's Day. That's why your mom brought you here today. Like, this is serious, right? But this God that is holy and just is also kind and gracious and good and merciful. And so he did something extraordinary. 
for you. He wrapped his, he took his one and only son, his best gift, and he wrapped him in flesh. Jesus took on flesh, and he set foot on this planet, and he lived the perfect life. He's the only person who walked the planet that didn't deserve the penalty of sin, which is death. He lived perfectly. He chose death for you. And it was a suffering, gruesome, brutal death on the cross. Why? We are to look at the suffering, brutal death of, the, of Jesus on the cross and go, that's how much God hates my sin because I am not in a neutral position with God. He died in our place and God poured out his wrath and hatred on Jesus instead of on you. And then he placed him in a grave, dead, and three days later, he stepped out of his own grave, authenticating his claims as being the only way to God and authenticating his claims as he's the only one that can overcome the next death. And your mom said, come to church today because she wants you to be in right position with God Almighty. She wanted you to hear that. Amen? Okay, so if that's why you came today. Now, moms, I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready? You're going to go out to lunch today with your kid. Kids, you need to treat. Okay, so uh, get your credit card out. Pay for that thing. But when you're out, moms, I want you to look across at your kid that you said, I want you to come to church today and say, what did you think about what Pastor Sean said about Jesus? How many of you are like, man, I know I was going to get put on the spot. This is the most important conversation you will ever have. No amens except Marty. Let me say that again. This is the most important conversation you will ever have. Amen. 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 Have that conversation today because... As we raise our kids in the Lord, man, you never know what God is doing, right? And so here's the takeaway, okay, is have that conversation today. Okay, number two, here we go. I'll keep moving us on quickly. Because of the legacy of faith, Timothy had a high level of commitment. So mom and grandma raised in a Christian home, Timothy has a high level of commitment. Second Timothy 1.6, this is why I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you, okay? So now we did this a couple weeks ago. Remember with our elders, we called it ordination. There's a community of agreement where Paul plants this church in Ephesus, raises up a young pastor, and then there's this kind of this laying on the hands, the idea of we agree that God is raising up Timothy to, to be a pastor of this church. So a couple things I want to pull out of here. Next to a high-level commitment, I want you to put the word church there, okay? Church. So there's raising our kids in the Lord at home and raising our kids in the, in the Lord in community or church life, okay? And so the first thing is Paul tells Timothy to fan the flame of spiritual gifts, okay? Parents, Every single one of your children has a gift, a spiritual gift from the Lord, and it's our job to shepherd and encourage it. Y'all with me? I remember when I was a youth pastor in Georgia, uh, I took my kids to summer camp, and I had a, a student. This kid was sharp. He loved the Lord. He loved the Word. And, uh, and he came back from camp, riding back in the bus, and he goes, Pastor Sean, I think that God is calling me into vocational ministry to be a pastor one day. Incredible. By the way, the soul of our nation needs a revival. Amen? I said this at the refill conference to the pastors. I said, pastors, we need to be parents. 
we need to be raising up the best and the brightest to be leading our churches. Because if we're going to have a revival, it's not going to come in the 2024 election. It's not going to come from one of our two parties. It's not going to come from our universities. It's not going to come from our educational system. Most of those have pivoted to be an anti-God institution. It's going to come from the church that's being serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if your kid comes home and says, God might be calling me to serve in the church, don't do what this kid's dad did. His dad, he looked at his son and he said, there's no money in that son. We just turned away one of the best and the brightest because we didn't fan in the flames the spiritual gift that God was doing in this kid. Man, that parent should have said, praise be to God, let's pray about that. And if there's no money in it, let's figure out how to be bivocational for the good of the gospel going forward through a local church. Man, we got to be raising them up, parents, fanning in the flames, the gifts that are in them, let her be. There's the encouragement of the community, right? The laying on of hands. So you're teaching the gospel at home and more is caught than taught. But then you bring the church around to supplement what you're teaching your kids at home. Here it is. I want to talk to middle school parents for a minute. If your kid and, and if you're in, if your kids are in fourth grade, tune in. What I'm about to say is, it's listen. It's eternity shaping. What I'm about to tell you. I've been pastoring for a long, long time. There is a handoff that happens. Somewhere in the fourth, fifth grade years where we have this great children's ministry, we have 300 plus kids that come back through here on Sunday morning. Praise be to God. Thank you, parents, for bringing them out on Sunday morning. Praise be to God. But there's going to come a season where they're going to need our student ministry. It's a, it comes alongside of you. It's not a fix-all, but it comes alongside what you're doing. And here's what's going to happen. I've seen it happen a gazillion times. It's a change for your middle schooler. And they're used to coming here, and then they change, and they come out on Sunday night, and they're going to come home, and here's what they're going to tell you. I don't know anybody. I don't want to go back. And you're going to look at, some of you are going to look at them and go, okay, honey, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. And their soul is at stake, because they are not going to find Christian community, at whatever, very unlikely, find whatever Christian community at whatever, whatever public school. Very unlikely. They're not going to find like-minded students doing like-minded things together in a government institution that's teaching that there is no God as its cornerstone and its premise. And you need to look at them and say, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't have a good time. You're getting in the car next Sunday. And they're going back the next Sunday and they're going to go, that was, that was boring. And you're going to look at them, I'm sorry, it was boring. You're getting in the car next Sunday. And you're going to keep them there. And you're going to, just like I had a drug problem, you're going to drag them there. And here's what's going to happen. By the time they get to high school, there's going to be some people in that student ministry that are saying the same thing to your kids as you're trying to teach them. And they're going to come home and they're going to, you've been doing it for years. And they're going to go, you know, Mr. Bill is great. He taught me this, this, this. Like, I've been saying that for 12 years. Like, <laughs> praise be to God, it's sunk in. All right? Like, you know, it's one me, somebody else, it's fine. And I could start naming names in this church of men and women that have invested in my three kids, and I praise God for you. 
because you committed your time on a Sunday night to be here to invest in my kids. And yes, there were times my kids were going, I don't want to go. It's boring. And I'm like, English class is boring, and you go to that, okay? So, sorry, teachers. Um, they are not, not all your kids are loving literature, okay? So, so, parents, don't quit on the community in those middle school years. All right, shameless plug, summer camp. <laughs> all right, listen, listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this, this, what this does is help them build relationships with other peers that are following Jesus. Okay, you're not going to send them to camp. They may come back really, really changed. They may not, but they're going to find peers that they can journey through the next four to six years with that love the Lord. July 20th, sign them up, send them. They will have an incredible time, okay? There you go. Number three, here we go, final thing this morning, the resourcing of God, the resourcing of God. So the final thing we see in this text is the resourcing of God. So there's the home life. We're investing the gospel. We're dragging them to church. Like we're investing in community, surrounding our kids with community. But ultimately, real heart change is the work of God. Everybody with me? So next to the resource of God, I want you to put the word pray. Pray, pray, pray. Amen. So you're doing what God's called you to do as a parent. You're being faithful to it, but you're asking God to do the God thing. Right? 2 Timothy 1.7. For God, this is written to Timothy, God has not put a given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I want to focus on the last three words there. Power, love, self-discipline. These are gospel life changes, right? Where the Holy Spirit moves into the life of your child, and suddenly the stuff you've been saying begins to transform by the power of the Holy Spirit in them, okay? And I, I can almost pinpoint the day that I felt like my kids got saved because I ha at that moment, I didn't any longer have to nag them about things. I began to watch them do it on their own. How many of your parents can testify to that, right? Like, and that, that's just me? Okay, I know. You guys can see all that happen. That's transformation, right? Power. The word power is dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite. It's the Holy Spirit that gives your kids life-changing, faith-sustaining, peace that passes understanding. Listen, if the Holy Spirit doesn't change your kid from the inside out, all we're doing as parents is behavior modification. Now, I'm all, we should do that, and we should train up our kids, but, but ultimately what we're praying for is heart change, right? Where they repent of their sin and they believe in Jesus. Let her be, right? God resources our children to love. If, if, if your kid's not being very loving, it's because they don't know the God of love. We become loving when we know a God who is loving. Everybody with me? So they need the dunamis, that's the Greek word for, for power, for dynamite, right? They need the Holy Spirit power to change, to be loving, and let her see, to be self-disciplined, right? Which leads to a well-ordered life. That's what self-discipline means. Like, again, you have your little rule sheet up, you know, we, I don't know, we had like red light, green light, yellow light, you know, how many of y'all have that kid that lives on red light? Like, you're on red light again, you know, so, you know, you got that one, red light, red light, but, you know, but all of that is just behavior modification, so the Holy Spirit comes in, and they, they're, they're, they become, they become self-disciplined, and so, so our goal as parents is not behavior modification, but spiritual life that changes them from the inside out, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, pray, pray that God transforms them. So here it is, ready? At home, more is caught than taught. Live genuine faith at home, and it's often caught. We, 
We live in church community where this is an essential part, you know, of, I used to say this to my kids, well, this is what the Browns do, okay? Community. And then number three, we pray. We pray that God would do the God stuff, that there'd be spiritual power to transform our kids from the inside out. All right, I want to bring the worship team out, and uh, I'm going to tell one more personal story. So I apologize for all the personal stories this morning, but I hope that they encourage you. Um, in February, anybody remember what was happening in February and March of 2020? Anybody remember what's happening? It's too soon to talk about it, like still scarred. Uh, yeah. So like the last trip that my wife and I took before they shut everything down from COVID um, was we drove to Long Island, New York for my wife's grandma's funeral. And her grandma had lived into her 90s. They used the German word for grandma. She called her Oma. And uh, Oma was a force of nature, okay? Uh, And kind of a German-Italian mix there in this family. And there was a lot going on. And, uh, And I'll tell you, man, she was... I have met few women that were as passionate about Jesus Christ as her. And uh, my wife comes, and she'll kill me for saying this, but she comes from this, this long legacy of faith, genuine faith. She's actually a descendant of the reformer Martin Luther, okay? So just huge legacy of Christian faith. And, uh, and Oma was a part of that. And, and so we're driving to Long Island, New York, and I was like, you know, we were talking about the funeral for some reason, and if we thought there'd be a lot of people there. And I don't know why we're talking about that. I'm like, I don't think there's been a lot of people. She's like in her 90s, you know. I mean, all all her friends have probably passed, you know, at that point. And we're driving up there, and we get to the church, and it's packed. I mean, packed. And my wife looks over and said, see? So, you know, I told you, you know, if you've been married all this time, you you were right. You know, you kind of get used to that. You were right. So, uh, you know, you're right. And the place is packed. and, And they open the floor for people to talk. And this 90-year-old woman who, was a, who spent the last couple of years of her life hooked up to that dialysis, it's a, a force of nature, just story after story after story after story of faith, man. And so not only were her biological children there, dude, this room is filled with spiritual children. Like there's like a lady that none of us had ever met that drove from Texas that she ministered to and ended up at this funeral. We don't even know. I think she saw it on Facebook. I don't even know how she... And she gets up and testifies to what Oma had done and ministered to her and how she began a, a spiritual legacy. And she brought her daughter, who's now being brought up in the Lord, because, because Oma had not only spiritual great... Not only biological great-grandchildren, she's having spiritual children and grandchildren because she's a woman of legacy and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here it is, moms. Do not grow weary in what you're doing. In fact, I would suggest to you that living out every single day for the Lord Jesus Christ is more powerful than some big aha event. The the faithfulness in the mundane is a terribly powerful tool for shaping the next generation. And I think the Apostle Paul agrees with me when he says this. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same 
faith continues strong in you. Continue strong, moms. Now, I know it's not Father's Day, but continue strong, dads. And so here's what I want to do. I want to invite the prayer team up under the screens. Prayer team on their screens, okay? If you need prayer today, maybe today's a tough day because it's Mother's Day and you need prayer, come see a prayer team member. They'd love to pray with you. I want everybody's eye open, okay? We're not going to play with our eyes closed. We're going to pray with our eyes open. I'm going to pray for a blessing, and then we're going to go out singing this morning. And this song is going to encourage you to be faithful in the mundane because God blesses the mundane of motherhood. Here it is, my prayer blessing. Moms, may the God of grace and peace and endurance can give you to give you the strength to persevere in holiness and righteousness and strength as you pass, I mean, as you leave a legacy of faith, as you invest in your family, as you invest in your children, as you invest in your grandchildren, as you invest in your spiritual children, as you invest in your spiritual grandchildren. May God grant you strength and peace until the day your faith becomes sight. And all God's people said,